Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Today I'm speaking with John Marisick, a student at the College of Southern Nevada, or CSN, who's already started his career as a skilled tradesman at Harry Reid Airport. CSN empowers students and communities to achieve, succeed, and prosper. Their spring classes are starting on Tuesday, January 16th, with a mix of online and in-person classes. In fact, CSN was just named one of America's top online colleges by Newsweek. But some areas of study, like the air conditioning technology program that John took, offer hands-on learning and experience for better effectiveness. John, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Heather. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your experience at the College of Southern Nevada. Well, the experience is, it is robust. You have to work hard. There's a lot of information that comes at you. But the college really organizes it well. They, they have it organized like ultra well. Like they, they know how to get you from the entry level to the intermediate to the more advanced classes and keep your education flowing in a design that, that makes it easy for you to understand. The information isn't exactly what I would call easy. However, the way they have it set it up, they make it easy for you. Nice. Okay. So what made you decide to choose the College of Southern Nevada for your studies? I thought they had the best program out there. Before I made a decision that CSN was the, the proper place for me to start, I, I went and looked at a bunch of different schools in, in my local area. I looked at the, the length of the program, the cost, the quality of the actual resources and education provided, such as the instructors and the facilities and the technology available that each facility had. And I made a choice based that CSN had above and beyond the best program in the whole city. Now, they have a lot of programs, like a lot. <laughs> so yes. why did you choose HVAC in particular for your career? Well, HVAC was special because it had the most in-demand skills that the job market in, in my city has for my interests, right? I paired like what, what is most needed in society in my city as far as skilled worker demand versus what I was interested in most in. I mean, I could have gone into like dental hygiene, of course, which CSN has a great class for, you know, or, or any number. But as far as using my hands every day and problem solving and, and having a, you know, getting to work inside, I mean, HVAC was just the way to go for me. I had the most highest interest in it and it had the best payout. Nice. Has it lived up to your expectations? It has exceeded. You know, I, I merely wanted to make sure that I had a skill that was in demand for the next 20 years. But I didn't know that it would expand my horizons exponentially. You know, I had no idea I'd be able to like get into somewhere like the county and work with the airport and work with you know multi-million-dollar units with some of the smartest people in the industry. You know, just getting started was the hardest part. After that, it's opened a whole new world to me. Awesome. 
So this is kind of your next time around. You didn't go to CSN this time right out of high school. So what are some of the challenges that you faced with going back to college a little bit later in life? Surprisingly, it was almost easier, right? Uh, as a youngster, I, I was challenged with you know not knowing what to do, uh, the dedication that was required. I, I, you know, life didn't exactly show me how hard it was immediately. You know, I had to actually trip over my own feet a few times to really know how, how important education was. And before I knew it, you know, life took me in, in a very fast direction into, you know, hey, things are serious and you got to work and you got to earn money. And all the safety nets I had from my parents were gone. So I didn't have time and resources to actually commit back to, to staying in school. Later on, it came to that realization that nothing's more important than, than having a good quality education. If you want to have a job in the workplace that you know, you're not a dime a dozen employee. You, you have a specialized skill, a trade, information, you know, the ability to work where others can't is invaluable. It improves your quality of life. So yeah, early on, you know, I, I just didn't have the, the wherewithal, the, the mental capacity to say, oh, this is how important this actually is. So I dropped out and I took easy work. I started working in construction that was paying really well at the time, but I didn't know how hard it was going to be, you know, getting laid off not being valuable to the employer. Like th you're very valuable when they need a ditch dug or concrete poured, but the minute that's done, you know, goodbye. And I, le I learned the hard way. But but going back into school with the understanding that this is, is not just important to do because someone told you to do it. You have to apply yourself. And, and the rewards are, I'm learning now how, how great the rewards are. It's just had I known, I'd have just stuck with it younger. But getting back into classes as an adult, you know, I, it was a lot easier because my conviction was was there internally. Like, like I, I wanted to do this. It was a challenge that I, I knew I needed. I knew I wanted it. And the school actually made it easy. There were grants available. There were uh, scholarships, you know, not just even with the school, but you could apply for scholarships all over the country. There's many different ones available for different people. And I applied for everything. So the school had the resources nationally and locally there's resources i utilized everything at my disposal and was able to get that first class in and from there the school made it easy they showed you how to do it when to do it what books to get everything they have all the equipment on site like csn is like probably the best hvac program in the nation as far as you know this discipline of education yeah now, as far as your fellow classmates go, are they primarily adults as well, or is it a mix of kids right out of high school and adults as well? Yeah, yeah, it ranges. Of course, there's some smart kids that, you know, they, they kind of have it figured out already. I wish I did. But yeah, there, there's young guys in there from 17, 18 years old, most of them. And then there's guys upwards of my age that are, you know, in their 30s and 40s, either adding to the education they already have, you know, because they're trying to expand their career. Or they're like me and they're just like, I need a career change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how much further are you taking your education? Like, I know you didn't just stop. So what else are you pursuing with the education? Well, I started out just saying, all right, I need a job, right? So let me go get a, a quick certification to get started. But CSN offered a degree program. So it wasn't just like a, an HVAC certificate. They offered me an HVAC degree. When I learned about that, I quickly got myself organized into that program and I achieved it. So I got, a, I got a degree in building automation and controls with the emphasis on HVAC. Knowing that the employers were you know, in search of people with that skill set and that training, 
I was able to land a job almost, you know, immediately, even before I got the degree, I was being hired and sought after. And then after speaking with the employers, they want, you know, as much training as I can give them. And they will, you know, of course, reward for that. So being aggressive, I decided, all right, I'm going to stay inside school and try and get another degree, or at least try and get more training that the employer that I'm working for currently is in demand for, such as, you know, chillers and boilers, critical systems, certain refrigeration, because a place like Harry Reid, there's more than just one air conditioning type or group of systems. There's almost every system out there. <laughs> so the more training I have, the more valuable I am to the employer. And it's a good thing because CSN offers a wide variety of programs. Nice. So what was that journey like? So you're a student at CSN and then all of a sudden you have a job working at Harry Reid International Airport. How did that happen? Short story is the instructors that I worked with at CSN are working closely with the community, not just with Harry Reid, but with like the county, Clark County, and, and lots of employers in the Valley. And the employer will build a relationship with CSN, the instructors directly. And, you know, they'll try and find the best and brightest in their classes to help fill their vacancy roles. The airport approached CSN and said, hey, we, we're looking for an internship program to bring some of your students into our workforce which I applied for, you know, the instructor, uh, Jason, that I worked closely with, uh, brought me in and said, hey, you know, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. This is great pay, great benefits. You get to work on some of the coolest stuff. I knew right away how valuable that was and jumped at the opportunity and the, the rest of history. But I started working with the airport. I got to know the people that I was working with on a day-to-day -day basis. They got the chance to see my work ethic and my intelligence, or my ability to learn and ask questions. And that's exactly what they were looking for. So they offered me something that was full time. And it's, it's been just a godsend. It couldn't have happened without CSN. That's awesome. But how do you balance work and school? Uh, you have to cut out a lot of things extracurricular. Like, uh, you know, I watch a lot less TV. I I focus all on my schoolwork and on the work at hand, right? Because, you know, the airport or jobs like that require a lot of you. You have to stay healthy. You have to stay in shape. You have to always be mindful of your surroundings for your safety. So you have to live a lifestyle that expects the highest output from you. So when you get to work, you sometimes I have to show up at 4 a.m., which means I have to wake up at 3 a.m., which means I have to go to bed early. And if I have classes from, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon to 10 o'clock at night, well, I've got to eat right, I've got to sleep well, and I just have to keep myself very organized. But it's not hard once you, you're committed to doing something that you're driven for inside, you know, emotionally. It actually becomes easy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what would you say to people who are considering going back to school and exploring other career opportunities at College of Southern Nevada? From my own reflection, I would say use your failures as motivation to improve the life that, that you want to have or to guide you into the life you want to have. The hardest part is making the commitment or doing the, the initial, making the initial choice to do it, I would say was the hardest part because, you know, before I actually pulled the trigger on uh, registering for classes, I was wishy-washy in multiple programs. And, and what made it easier was to reach out and speak to the instructors directly which they are there to do at all times. You know, they walked you through like what your average day as a student's going to look like, what kind of coursework you're going to get into, how long it's going to take. You know, they could walk you through the cost, all the details that are associated with it. 
So the hardest part is to, you know, make a decision. So once you get that out of the way, you can fly with it. It happens faster than you think. <laughs> nice. All right. So if you would like to find out what CSN has to offer, spring classes are beginning on Tuesday, January 16th. That's the first day of school for the spring semester. January 17th to 22nd is late registration. And the college offers over 180 degrees and certificate programs, 70 different areas of study. And you can find all that out on the College of Southern Nevada website, which is csn.edu, csn.edu. And John, I want to thank you for being here and sharing your story with us and your success going through the CSN program and how it's led you to a new career and a new life. It's awesome to hear and congratulations on your success. Thank you, Heather, and I'm happy to be here, happy to help the CSN get more students because they do have the best programs in the city. Don't wait. Make the decision. <laughs> Go to school. <laughs> it'll, it'll help change your life. We are the NFHS. That stands for the National Federation of State High School Associations. But really, what we stand for, together with the NIAA, are the 48,000 high school sports and performing arts students in Nevada. And so we stand. We stand for the runners, debate team members, and basketball players. We stand for their coaches, officials, and adjudicators. We stand for the drummers, football players, and actors. We stand for the golfers, singers, and swimmers. We stand as the national leader and advocate for these essential activities and all who participate in them and make them possible. Because it is our purpose to ensure that high school students get to play, perform, and compete together. To learn more about who we are and what we stand for, visit nfhs.org. I'm Heather Vale, and you're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is David Marlin, founder and CEO, and Stacey Lockhart, director of philanthropy for the nonprofit Vegas Stronger. David and Stacy, thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you, Heather. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Heather. This is wonderful. So, David, what exactly is Vegas Stronger? Vegas Stronger is a nonprofit that's focused at solving the social problem of homelessness. We do so in an atypical way that we provide an outpatient medical clinic for people on a walk-in basis. I've spent my entire career in healthcare in Las Vegas, and I recognize that people who are unhoused have a problem accessing care. And Vegas Stronger is a walk-in outpatient clinic. We now have 40 therapists. We have four prescribers. So when somebody walks in, they could see a counselor the same day and then get engaged in a program. We bolted on outreach. And we go along the train tracks, downtown, in the streets, even in the tunnels to do outreach to folks to bring them to the clinic. And at the clinic, they get evidence-based treatment, whether it's psychiatry, counseling, case management, peer support. We, we also have a variety of yoga, nutrition, fitness instructors. So it's a really welcoming, recovery-oriented system of care that clients can come and be engaged for a longer treatment episode than is typical. We have many clients who come to counseling for a year 
or for six months, our average course of treatment is 133 days. So most people come to counseling for an extended period of time. And if you are chronically unhoused, if you've had a, a substance use disorder or a mental illness, and this has you know, been affecting you for a long time, if it takes a long time to walk into the woods, it takes a, a long time to walk out as well. So rather than being rushed by traditional managed care lengths of treatment, what we do is we provide treatment to clients as long as they need. Okay. When was the organization first founded? Uh, we were incorporated 10 years ago in 2014, and we saw our first patient just over five years ago. Wow. Okay. Now, Stacy, you've worked with different organizations that focus on those who are experiencing homelessness. What sets Vegas stronger apart from all the amazing organizations we have in the Valley? It's the fact that Vegas Stronger is addressing the underlying factors that are keeping somebody homeless and on the streets. And, you know, I've been pretty vocal about it before. I mean, the county and I have had fun little back and forth. <laughs> you can't just take someone off the street and put them in housing and say, there you go, problem solved. We have to provide wraparound services. We have to address what the other issues are, or they're just going to end up back on the street. They're never going to be successful at being self-sufficient. So if there's substance abuse, if there's mental health issues, we've got to address those. And here, the success rate's 86.5%, Heather. What's happening here is absolutely amazing. And it fits with exactly how I have always thought we should address the issue in order to solve it. Okay, so basically you're teaching them to fish instead of just giving them a fish. Exactly. And helping them address underlying issues to enable them to fish. You know, folks with a, a chronic substance use disorder, it's a primary condition. I'm a duly licensed clinician, and, and I know that you have to treat primary conditions first. So, you know, we, we do just that. Yeah. Well, and for instance, Heather, if somebody has mental health trauma and issues and they, they need to be seeing someone, they need to be on their medication. If you're on the streets, you're not getting your medication at the right time. You're going to run out. You're not going to get it. People have to help them. I call it even things out, get back on an even keel so they can manage that illness because whatever's going on with them mental health wise may never go away, but it can be managed. But you can't do that living on the streets or living in the tunnels. And if we were to go out there today and, and even get someone the medication, we go back there tomorrow or Wednesday, we won't be able to find them because, you know, our, our homeless population is very transient. They may be on the corner of Owens and Maine today. Who knows where they're going to be tomorrow? Yeah. Now, how important is educating the public about homelessness rather than just those who are experiencing it? It's really important. We rolled out the Golden Ticket program about a month ago, and, and that's exactly that. It's to help communicate with the public because many people want to be good Samaritans and give money to a person on the corner who is panhandling. What that does is... In most cases, that goes right to continuing substance use disorders. If instead we direct people to treatment at Vegas Stronger or to other places, that's a much healthier way to help support someone. 
So our golden ticket program is a tool which you could access on our website at vegastronger.org, or we could deliver some to you. And it it's something that you could keep in your car. And if someone asks you for money, instead of giving them money, you could give them a golden ticket, which has our address. And it's a ticket for free food and shelter and to engage in a counseling program. Most people I've handed a golden ticket to have said, oh my goodness, I've been waiting for a sign. I knew I needed to change my life. And every single day we have somebody walk in our door and say, hey, I have a golden ticket. And we welcome anyone who does. And we have them see a counselor right away. And we help them really punctuate their life. They had this one life where they'd been homeless or chronically homeless. And they have this new life, maybe starting in a shelter, maybe moving to a sober living or a transitional care facility. And then after that, moving towards independent living. No one should be sleeping on our streets or in our tunnels in a city as as wonderful as Las Vegas. Yeah, that's an amazing idea. But now what if the person who receives the golden ticket isn't close enough to actually get to Vegas stronger and take advantage of the resources? Well, Las Vegas isn't that large. And we, we do have outreach folks. So if we get a call and someone needs a ride, we'll, we'll come get someone. If you're feeling philanthropic and you want to put somebody in an Uber or a Lyft and send them down here, you know, to me, that's a helpful way to help someone. Giving somebody money is really just propagating this unhealthy cycle. So we need everyone in the community to pull together and recognize that today we have available shelter beds in the various shelter. Today, we have capacity at Vegas Stronger to get people access to counseling, to medical care, to case management, to psychiatric care, and help address, like Stacy said, the root cause of why they're living out in the streets. Okay. And then what happens when someone moves through the program and finishes it and becomes self-sufficient? To me, that's why we both love this process. People engaged in our program, our clients, they transform so dramatically. And when you see someone who begins sleeping in a bed and, and getting regular sleep, eating three square meals a day, engaging in a fitness program, going to counseling, working with case management and addressing their medical, dental, or optical needs, they, they improve so dramatically. The most common feedback I hear is, oh my goodness, I need to get my children. So often, parents are out there on the streets and, and they're in this survival mode. And once they start getting healthy, the very common feedback we hear is people want to get reintegrated with the families and families very frequently want to be integrated with them when they've addressed substance use or mental health issues. So on the 7th of December, we held a client graduation. We had 47 graduates, 40 of the 47 were actually able to attend. I mean, caps and gowns, the families are there, community was there. Cedric Creer came and spoke about his, his own family and, and personal issues, but it was absolutely amazing. And, and the testimonials when they would get up at the podium, you know, saying that they had found a family, that they finally found somewhere where they were loved and people cared about them and where they had been at their lives, in and out of jail or this or that. And seeing them now, 
you would never look like you, me, Dave. Yeah. You would never have guessed where they were just six months ago. I mean, absolutely incredible. And the clients that I've met, I've been here just since the beginning of November, but they come and even after they graduate, they still come. They volunteer here. They're involved here. There's days where sometimes I'm like, do they work for us or is that a client? You know, and now we have alumni. We're starting an alumni group. So it's not when they're done, they're done. They might be done going through the process of recovery, but they stay very, very connected here and want to come back and give back and pay it forward and really help somebody else the way they were able to be assisted through Vegas Stronger. It's almost like a growing movement, you could say. And, you know, my biggest thing is getting us out there. You know, it's branding, it's awareness, getting Vegas Stronger out there. Somebody said to me just the other day, I thought it was associated with the shooting. And then they looked us up online and said, oh my gosh, I was so amazed. I had no idea everything that you guys were doing. I want to be involved. And it is. I mean, there's incredible stories coming out of here every single day that you're going to see us start telling and sharing. This community needs to know what this organization is here doing because it works and it truly is helping people transform their lives. Yeah, that's awesome. So speaking of people wanting to get involved, and you mentioned clients coming back to volunteer, what opportunities are there for people to volunteer or get involved in other ways? I would encourage you or anybody listening to just come down and take a tour and see the place. When you understand it, you'll have a much clearer picture. And then we'll, we'll just ask, we go through clothes all the time because most people who walk in, they need clothing. So, you know, we certainly welcome clothing. We we feed every client here over 100 meals a day when, when clients come in here. So, you know, we, we regularly need food. We give every client who completes the program a bicycle. Transportation is one of the social determinants for health. And that's an enticement we give to an, encourage clients to continue with the program. It really depends on the time commitment folks have. But if if you want to come down to Vegas Strong and meet with Stacy or myself, and we'll, we'll sort out uh, the right volunteer opportunity for you. Yeah, well, I think for anyone who is interested, when people come down and we walk them around and show them everything, you know, they're just like, wow. I mean, Heather, we have a full gym here. Wow. We have people, we have trainers that work with our clients. We have yoga classes. We have boxing. We have a community garden here that we have chickens and the clients are getting fresh eggs. So, you know, they're harvesting vegetables. There's an opportunity. We have people come in, Price Waterhouse Coopers. Group from there last week was just in Friday yeah, and they served our clients lunch. And then they came upstairs and they they helped organize some of the storage areas. They're like, what else can we do? There's so many of us. I was like, you come with me. I know what you can do. So there's something for everyone. I'm sitting here today, you know, as we start building a philanthropy program, I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to do a mailing. People could come in and help put letters in envelopes and get them out. They could build records in a database. They could, yeah, there's a million different things that we could use help with here if we have the people. And then it's just a matter of going, oh, there's an opportunity. Because I think a lot of times the staff will just naturally do something because they're used to doing that. And, and I asked somebody today, I said, why are you doing that? 
why don't you have a volunteer doing that? You know, I said, there's yeah. people who want to come in and get involved. We need to open the door and allow for them to come do that instead of thinking we have to do everything ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what's the polar plunge challenge that you have coming up? Stacy mentioned that we have a large gym. And what we do for every client is we help them develop a fitness program while they're with us. One of the best ways to help address depression is it's better to have a fitness regimen to help address it. So we help each of our clients get into fitness. We have a Verosco ice bath, which is a 40 degree tank in the gym. And it's kind of the rage right now to help provide mindfulness, reduce inflammation. It really shocks the system. And we're, we're having a polar plunge where different folks from the community are come down and we're doing a, a sponsor Vega Stronger for each minute you're in the plunge. So I hope to stay under for three minutes. And, and that is no small task. Uh, <laughs> but we're we're going to have a, a community event and, and various folks are going to come and uh, dip in the polar plunge. And when is that happening? It's on January 18th. And you can find more information on our website, which is vegastronger.org. Okay, nice. So speaking of vegastronger.org, obviously people can find out more about Vegas Stronger if they go to the website. And is that where they could sign up for the Polar Plunge, donate, volunteer, and get golden tickets to give out? Yes, all of those things are on the website to be accessed, as well as our number, as well as an email, as well as a chat. As we talk about ways people can get involved as well, right now, we're looking for groups that want to do hygiene drives. I've got a friend who's actually a realtor here in town who's doing a hygiene drive. You know, deodorant, shampoo, you know, razors for men and women, you know, the basic stuff we all need that if they're on the street, they may not have, or if they're moving into a sober living facility, you know, from being on the streets, it may be things that we can set them up with, feminine hygiene stuff. It's cold out right now in the mornings. You know what? Coats, you know, food drives, because we do feed them. And if they're moving into a place, you know, to be able to send them with some canned goods and 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 some non-perishable things that they can get started with, laundry soap, things like that. And then underwear right now is a huge thing. If people are on the street, you know what? They're not getting a shower every day. They're not getting to change their clothes every day. And those most intimate articles of clothing, you don't want to be wearing the same pair of underwear for a week. It's part of, I think, what I think human dignity, providing the basics for folks so they can continue and hopefully feel human and, and feel that they matter. And then, of course, you know me, cash is king. <laughs> so if people will go on our website, click the donate button, donate what they can. We've got about 10 areas of unfunded needs that we can't pay for with grant money or this or that. It really has to come from the community for us to transport clients, the community garden, things like that. I, of course, always encourage people to donate a minimum of $100, but everything helps. 
Yeah, awesome. Sounds like you guys are doing a lot of amazing things down there in downtown Las Vegas. So once again, the website is vegasstronger.org, vegasstronger.org. You can find out more information about Vegas Stronger. You can sign up to volunteer. You can make a donation. You can print off golden tickets to give out that invite people down to take advantage of the resources and services at Vegas Stronger. And then, of course, the Polar Plunge Challenge is coming up on Thursday, January 18th at 11.30 a.m. And you can find out that information there as well. If you want to get involved with your company or a bunch of friends and family, you can hold a hygiene drive, you can have a food drive, donate coats, underwear, all kinds of things are needed and really make a difference in the lives of the clients down at Vegas Stronger. So once again, VegasStronger.org is the website. And Stacy and David, I want to thank you both so much for being here and introducing us to this amazing nonprofit that's really making a difference, it sounds like, in a lot of people's lives. I mean, you've got the data to prove it, and it's inspiring a lot of people to want to get involved. So I appreciate you sharing. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you, Heather. They said if I got drunk, if I did coke, I'd be one of the guys. They said meth would help me get through my exams. They said synthetic drugs would give me a safe high. He said he'd love me forever if I smoked crack with him. They lied. Find out the truth about drugs. Drugfreeworld.org You're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and I'm speaking with Dr. Petros Levunas, president of the American Psychiatric Association. Their new poll gauges the public's knowledge and awareness around recognizing, discussing, and taking action towards treatment for substance abuse. Dr. Lavunas, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me here. So what did your poll show about how American adults feel around talking to loved ones regarding substance use? Well, uh, we've got great news here. Uh, the majority of U.S. adults are ready and willing to talk uh, to loved ones about the substance use and behavioral addictions. They are willing to initiate a conversation, which is absolutely wonderful. What we see here is that uh, that openness that has been uh, quite accelerated with the pandemic about mental health issues like depression and anxiety is now extending to substance use uh, disorders and the behavioral addictions. Furthermore, Americans are not only willing to initiate a conversation, they also know how to get a friend or family member the help that they need. So uh, this is really good news, and we're delighted with the findings of our most recent poll. Okay, so the majority are ready and willing to initiate the conversation, but what is the best way to actually initiate that conversation? Pick up and offer your support, uh, including your willingness to go with them and get help. Like other chronic relapsing illnesses, the earlier addiction is treated, the better. Express your love and concern. Don't wait until your loved one hits rock bottom. Some people are still erroneously believing that you have to hit rock bottom before you can recover. This is not true. Start the conversation. Be prepared to respond with specific examples of behavior that have you worried. The person may be bring may bring up excuses or be angry. Be prepared for that. Also, don't expect the person to stop without help. You've heard it before, promises to cut down, to stop. It doesn't work. What does work is treatment, support, and new coping skills in order to overcome the addiction. And finally, support the recovery as an ongoing process. Once your friend or family member is receiving treatment or going to meetings, remain involved. Continue to show that you're concerned about their successful long-term recovery. 
Okay. Now, you mentioned that most adults know where to get help. Where is that that people should go if they want to get help for themselves or a loved one? A great way to start is to have a conversation with uh, your doctor. Uh, it doesn't have to be a psychiatrist. Uh, it can be an OBGYN, a pediatrician. It can be a family a doctor. So going to a, a physician is a great start. But also local community resources, clergy and, and church can also be uh, tremendously helpful in initiating the conversation and having the person start their, their way to treatment. More specifically, our own resources, uh, the American Psychiatric Association has a wonderful website, psychiatry.org, psychiatry.org for patients and families. And also, if you're really struggling and you need immediate help, call 988. It's a new uh, helpline, a suicide and crisis lifeline, and you can get help both for uh, mental health issues as well as the substance use disorders. Nice. Okay. Now, what did the poll identify about younger adults versus older adults? Young adults are twice as likely as uh, older adults to know someone uh, they suspect is currently struggling with addiction. It may be that some younger people are more likely to have a substance use disorder or a behavioral addiction, but it's also uh, a reflection of the uh, greater openness that uh, younger people seem to have towards discussing such matters, mental health and uh, addiction topics. That's a good sign for the future. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned having conversations with a doctor, a primary care physician, or whatever kind of doctor that happens to be. Currently, how do most Americans get their information on addiction and treatment options? The majority of Americans do say that they will talk to a doctor about their struggles with addiction, either for themselves or a family or friend. So uh, this very much aligns with uh, what uh, we think would be one of the best ways to go. But let's not forget, no avenue is a wrong avenue. So if you can, you feel more comfortable talking with friends or family, if you feel more comfortable going to a local community resource, all these are ways that can be entry points towards recovery. Okay, and what about those of us who prefer to do research on the internet and gather as much background as we can first? Is that okay? It is okay. Certainly uh, learn as much as you can about alcohol uh, and drugs and other uh, addictions. Uh, there are some uh, sites that they're more reputable than others, as you can mm -hmm. imagine. Certainly a great starting point is the uh, website of the American Psychiatric Association, psychiatry.org, but there are many other uh, resources that uh, on the internet that can give you great information about addiction. Okay. And the bottom line is, if we see behavior in a loved one that concerns us, we should start the conversation. What about the old school way of having an intervention? I always feel like the person would feel kind of ambushed. Is that a good strategy or is it better to talk one-on-one? -on -one? It may have uh, its place in some very, very specific circumstances. I would say that having a conversation with a physician, with an expert on, on these matters is of uh, primary importance. And then under the guidance of somebody who knows about uh, addiction treatment, who has a great uh, experience, expertise in these matters, then and only then 
you may want to uh, proceed with something that is quite dramatic and uh, it, ha- it certainly runs the risk of alienating the person and making things worse. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so as you mentioned, psychiatry.org is a great place to start. That's the website for the American Psychiatric Association, psychiatry.org. If it's an emergency and you're listening to this, please call 988. That's the new helpline, 988, if you're feeling suicidal or you need help in any way, 988. But psychiatry.org is the website for the American Psychiatric Association. And we've been speaking with Dr. Petros Levunas, who is president of the American Psychiatric Association. And Dr. Levunas, I want to thank you so much for being here, sharing your expertise with us and some great real world tips that people can use. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me in the program. Everyone has a community, a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use, community members can be your eyes and ears when you're not with your kids and alert you to signs of potential problems. Learn more at talktheyhearyou.samsa.gov. You're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and I'm speaking with Steve Strauss, small business columnist for Inc. Magazine. He's also the author of 18 books, including one of the all-time best-selling small business books, The Small Business Bible, and his latest, Your Small Business Boom. A new survey from Index by Pinger reveals that 67% of Americans have a small business or do a side hustle or freelance work, but choosing the right opportunity can be a challenge. Steve, thank you so much for being here today. Great to be here, Heather. Thanks for having me. So why are more people starting side gigs? There's several reasons. I mean, first of all, this is a great time. It's maybe even the golden era of side hustles and being self-employed and for several reasons, technology, things like that. But people are going into it. You know, money is one for sure. But surprisingly, according to surveys, money is just, you know, one of the reasons somebody somebody might want to start a side hustle. It could be that they want to test out a, a new business idea. And that's always good, right? To start small, test, see if it works. And then if it works, then you can run with it and go bigger. It may be uh, somebody wants to learn a new skill. And for sure, it is the ability to create extra income. I, I can give you an example. You know, recently, my wife and I were going out of town for a week for a vacation, and we have the world's sweetest golden doodle, and we had to find a pet sitter, our sweet dog. And so I went on to an app called Rover.com, and I found a, a pet sitter. And this woman was just fantastic with animals, and she worked at home. So for her, just a perfect side hustle, right? She could do her work at home and earn extra income at the exact same time while she was pet sitting dogs. So there's lots of reasons and they're all good reasons. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So besides pet sitting, what are some of the most popular side hustles or freelance gigs? Well, you know, there's so many different things somebody could do. I mean, you could manage other people's social media. For example, you know, small businesses especially are busy. You know, the small business owner wears a lot of hats and social media may not be their skill set. And so if you're great at social media and you like that, that's easily something you can find clients, so especially small businesses, but not just small businesses, and manage their social media. Or one I like a lot is something called drop shipping. So people love the idea of selling online, either selling on eBay or Amazon or even their own website. But it, it can be expensive selling products 
you have to buy inventory and fit inventory, and that's not an inexpensive idea sometimes. But with drop shipping, you work with a manufacturer, you put the manufactured products on your website or on your little store, and then when you get a sale, the manufacturer ships it, sends it, deals with the logistics, deals with returns, and you share the profit with a, a drop shipper. So there's just so many different ways you can make some side money, do a side hustle, get your feet wet in the small business world. Nice. Okay. So what are some key considerations to make before starting a side hustle? I think the first thing you want to think about is, you know, what do I like to do? I mean, if you're going to take the time and you get the opportunity to start your own business, well, you, you better do something you love, or you're probably not going to be doing it very long. Also, you want to look at what you're good at. What are your skills? I mean, we all have a, you know, a wealth of experience that we have had during the course of our careers. And you should be able to bring that to whatever side hustle because that, that gives you a little advantage that other people aren't going to have. And then finally, what I would say is you need to make sure that there is a market for whatever it is you want to sell. I mean, you love 18th century Flemish architecture. <laughs> it's not going to be a big market for that, <laughs> but if you find the right market, then you're going to, you're going to be, you know, in good shape. Okay, perfect. So what are some strategies, some tools, some tips to save time and be most efficient when working on a side hustle? That's really one of the great things about having a side hustle these days. There is just so much technology out there, software, apps, things like that. And you'd really be silly not to take advantage of it because they're all designed to make your life as a small business person, as a side hustler, easier. I mean, I can give you an example. I, I did some work with a company called Pinger, and they make this cool app called Index. And it does a few things that could make a side hustler's life easier. For example, it gives you a second business line. So let's say you're at work and you have a side hustle. You could have a totally separate business line on your regular phone. So you know that when you're getting a call on that line, it's your side business. Or what if you get a good call and you don't want to answer it or can't answer it? Well, with that Index app, you could send an automatic text message to whoever is calling you and then start engaging in a text conversation. And that's how we all chat these days anyway. So it's a really efficient, excellent way to get your message, to work with people, to market your business, and to be really efficient in your side hustle. Okay. Now, what about ways to search and figure out what's out there? Because I'm sure some people were listening saying, I didn't know I could be a pet sitter. I didn't know I could do this or that. I didn't know I could do social media. Yeah. So where would people figure out where some, you know, some side hustles that they might not realize they're qualified for or that even exist? Yeah, great question. One place I like a lot is YouTube. There are no shortage of people on YouTube who teach you how to do a side hustle, who talk about side hustles. Of course, some of them want you to sign up for whatever affiliate marketing thing that they're doing and do their side hustle. But there's also just a lot of people out there giving great information. So if you went onto YouTube and did a search for types of side hustles, you'll find a great five-minute, eight-minute, ten-minute video telling you things you, boy, you didn't know. Or you could also, I would say, go to my own website. It's called planetsmallbusiness.com. Planet Small Business. Dot com And we have a lot of information about side hustles there. But I, I would say, first of all, YouTube is, is your best bet. And what if people wanted to check out the Index app that you were talking about as well? Yeah, I would really encourage them to do it because they're going to be impressed with how, how much they can do you know, with their phone to, to grow their business. So there you would go to a website called getindex.com. That's getindex.com, just like it sounds like. 
Okay, perfect. So once again, you can start your research on YouTube or Google looking for various side hustles that maybe you didn't know existed. If you want to check out Steve's website, it has a ton of information, planetsmallbusiness.com, planetsmallbusiness.com. And if you want to look at the index app that he was talking about to help you manage your small business or side hustle, getindex.com is the website for that, getindex.com. And Steve, I want to thank you so much for being here, sharing all this great information and a wealth of ideas. I'm sure you've got some wheels turning out there for the people that are listening. So I really appreciate your expertise and your time with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. Keep up the great work. There are a thousand ways to say it. Nope. Knock it off. Shut it down. Dream on. No dice. Give it a rest. Not a chance. Or just... All text. You focus on the road. As a passenger, you have the power to prevent an accident. There are a thousand ways to stop a distracted driver. Choose one. A message from CTIA. This is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and I'm speaking with Jason Dorsey, president of the Center for Generational Kinetics. Jason is a generational researcher, best-selling author, and acclaimed speaker. He's also a consultant for Hilton's third annual Travel Trends Report, which identifies generational travel preferences for 2024. Jason, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thrilled to be with you. So what are some of the findings from the 2024 Travel Trends Report? Yeah, what was so exciting about this report is, you know, our research center, the Center for Generational Kinetics, got to partner with Hilton on the third year of this. And what's exciting about the findings is that we looked at every single generation. And I think that's really important to know that this was not a focus on an individual generation, but we looked at Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, and Baby Boomers. And the combination is what makes it really exciting. And one of my favorite findings about the study is that every single generation wants to travel. They're very excited about it. So <laughs> go travel. And at the <laughs> same time, what we found is the top reason that every generation wants to travel is to rest and recharge. And I think that's such a powerful statement of intent and what people want right now when it comes to travel. It's, it's yes, they want wonderful experiences and to have fun, but there's a really a deep desire around the world to rest and recharge. And I think that's super timely. Yeah, nice. Now, since you looked at all the different generations, how do the interests for boomers and Gen X, for example, compare to younger generations like millennials and Gen Z? Yeah, well, we found some surprising similarities. You know, a lot of times people want me to sort of parse the differences. But in this particular study, what we found is that every generation raised their hand and said they did want to travel more, which I think is really fascinating. And at the same time, what we found is that 45% of the generations, and this is across all of them, wanted to reconnect with their friends and family. And I like that because it, it just shows you there's probably a feeling of distance or separation and a real desire that people want to get back together and connect and have in-person experiences. Now, we did see certain differences where some generations may want to travel in different ways or want different levels of personalization. But overall, there were a lot more similarities that we found than really pronounced differences. Okay. What are some of the experiences that various generations want to focus on when they travel? Yeah, well, some of my favorite is a real desire for local and regional foods. And that food is one of those things that seems to really want to bring people together. 
And one of the things I always share whenever people ask me, how do I apply the findings from the study is that you want to ask each generation, well, what do you want in this trip? What's a great experience for you? You know, so often we think that everybody wants the same things. And then you get there and one person's posting on social media and another one's reading a book, you know, and so <laughs> yeah. asking up front helps to create that better travel experience. But we also found when you sort of really get into the data is that this desire for rest and recharge is really consistent. The other thing that's consistent is food. And besides regional and local options in terms of really want to pull those dining experiences into their trip, we found that over 80%, and this is so cool, of all the generations say that they want to know that there is a great restaurant on the hotel property. So actually at the hotel, which just tells you that food is still the thing that brings people together. (laughs) (laughs) And are they generally looking to experience cuisines from around the world or are they looking for something they're familiar with? Yeah, it it seemed like both because one of the other things that we found was a real desire for people to connect with their cultures and heritage. Um, That was kind of neat to see uh, within the study itself. So we see that also in the food. They want, you know, a bit of comfort food. They want a bit of that exotic food. They want the local foods. They feel like it's reflective of the experience, but a real desire to see food as a through line for connection. To me, one of the things that was neat was just this idea that people want to connect with their culture and their heritage as part of their travel. And that obviously shows up in food as one of those great ways to have that experience. Yeah, nice. Okay. Now, we all want to travel, but usually it's kind of a want and not a need. So how much priority (laughs) are people putting on actually traveling for next year? Oh, I love this question. Uh, Yeah, thank you for asking that. I've not been asked that exact question. Uh, What the study found was that 64% of everyone in this study, and this study was all around the world, 64% said they intend to increase leisure travel next year. And to do so, they intend to decrease personal spending. So what you're seeing is a reprioritization of what they want to do in terms of leisure and personal, where they'll actually just spend less in certain areas so they can travel more for leisure, which I love. I mean, that's almost two thirds of every single participant. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. All right. So where can listeners go if they want to find out more or even see the travel trends report? Sure. The best place to go is stories.hilton.com. And what's really cool is you can see some of my other favorite stats. Uh, My personal favorite is that Gen Z and millennials are the most likely generations to bring their pillows with them. (laughs) And a lot of generations are actually boomers in particular want to know the mattress is great. So this whole idea of sleep tourism is a real thing and absolutely worth checking out when you go to the website. That's awesome. Okay, so stories.hilton.com is the website to go to, stories.hilton.com. You can find out all kinds of travel trend articles. You can find some information there and definitely access the travel trends report. So stories.hilton.com. And we've been speaking with Jason Dorsey. He's the president of the Center for Generational Kinetics. Jason, thank you so much for being here today and letting us know more about what people are intending to do, resting and recharging for the new year. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Really, really enjoyed it. At Wheelchairs for Warriors, serving America's heroes is our mission. With your support, we serve veterans and first responders injured in the line of duty across the United States of America, providing them custom-fit, complex rehab mobility solutions to ensure they rejoin their lives at the highest level of independent mobility and function possible. Join the mission at wheelchairsforwarriors.org.
I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the valley. The Las Vegas Natural History Museum's running its holiday exhibit a December to Remember through January 7th. It includes community displays, interactive activities and workshops that showcase various traditions, and they also have a new permanent international wildlife gallery called Biomes Beyond Borders. The museum's located on North Las Vegas Boulevard at Washington, near Cashman Field and the Neon Museum. You can find out all the details on their various exhibits and events at lvnhm.org. That's lvnhm.org. Or follow them on Facebook and LinkedIn at Las Vegas Natural History Museum and at LVNH Museum on Twitter and Instagram. The College of Southern Nevada, or CSN, starting their spring classes on Tuesday, January 16th, with late registration from January 17th to 22nd. They offer a mix of online and in-person classes, and CSN was just named one of America's top online colleges by Newsweek. Check out all their certificates, associate degrees, and bachelor degree programs at csn.edu. That's csn.edu. And Vegas Strongers holding their Polar Plunge Challenge on Thursday, January 18th from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Vegas Stronger, 916 North Main Street, south of Washington. They also have opportunities to get involved by volunteering, holding a hygiene drive or food drive, or handing out golden tickets. Find out more or make a donation at VegasStronger.org. That's VegasStronger.org. in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 